Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This episode is brought to you by Flipboard, home of the insight, a new destination for the advertising industry, where news, data stories, and inspiration live all in one place. Find it all at theinsight.flipboard.com slash adweek. That's theinsight.flipboard.com slash adweek. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the creative and innovation editor with Adweek. Uh, with me back again is Doug Zanger, a senior editor with me on the creativity team. Doug, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Uh, we've also got back Lisa Lacey, a reporter on the Tech Beat who specializes in e-commerce, e-retail. Uh, it's great to have you back, Lisa. Oh, thanks for having me. And uh, we've got a lot to talk to you about, about the biggest shopping day of the year, which may surprise some people who have not been following your excellent coverage on adweek.com. <laughs> uh, but uh, so, yeah, let's uh, and then we're going to talk about our Los Angeles uh, brand stars, uh, which is our L.A. issue is a big highlight each year. I love delving into that one. And uh, we're going to, of course, talk about the ads worth watching this week. So, uh, yeah, let's get to the news. All right. So uh, I feel like I should do some kind of dramatic buildup here for people who don't know this. But the the biggest shopping day of the year, I think a lot of Americans will think Black Friday. They'll think about nope. the, you know, these other days around Christmas or nope. around Cyber Monday. Nope. Uh, it is none of those things. Lisa, what is it? <laughs> it is Singles Day. Singles Day. I Man, I love when Singles Day comes around every year, <laughs> except for the fact that I've never known it existed until like a few weeks ago. <laughs> Yeah, so. I think I think last year when they did uh, Alibaba did twenty five point three billion uh, in sales in twenty four hours. That was sort of when I think people here kind of started to to pay attention to it or, or were sort of vaguely aware of it because it, it was so much money in in such a short period of time. Yeah, I mean twenty billion here, twenty billion there. So, <laughs> yeah, soon you're talking yeah. real money. Uh, so okay, let's back it up a bit. Explain to us what is Singles Day? What does the name mean? And what what is Alibaba? Where all this takes place? All right. So it started out, I think, in 1993 at uh, on a university campus. It was like an anti Valentine's Day movement, uh, and they picked uh, November 11th because it's 11 11 1 1 1 1, a bunch of single numbers. And I think there's also some sort of linguistic connection to bare sticks, but I'm not. I I don't speak the language, so I I don't uh, I, I don't know wait, wait, exactly I'm, how that works. What bear bear sticks? Bear sticks, yeah, like B A R E, not oh, B A R. Oh, 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 oh. I, thought, I, thought, I thought Ursa in there for a second. Yeah, um, yeah monstrous so, wooden bear. Okay, go ahead. Um, go ahead. So uh, just a, another 
symbol of, of being alone, I guess. And the idea is, uh, if you ever watched Parks and Recreation, there was that one episode where Tom and Donna were treating themselves. Yes. Treating themselves. Yes. Treat yes, yourself. Yes. Fine so that, leather goods. <laughs> yes. So um, that's the idea. And then, uh, so it was, I don't know, sort of flying under the radar a bit. Uh, I mean, it did, I guess, expand beyond the university. But in, in 2009, anyway, Alibaba was looking for a way to sell some coats. And so they uh, <laughs> they latched onto this. And uh, and kind of the rest is history. It uh, has grown steadily. Wait, wait, so they, they just, was this just one? Of those classic things where they're like, oh, we meant to order a hundred coats and we actually ordered a hundred million <laughs> coats. <laughs> that that I don't know, but I think kind of going into the the winter months, they they wanted an excuse to to be able to to sell sell some merchandise and it worked. <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey, um, if you don't have anyone to keep you warm, we will keep you warm. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but but yeah, it makes sense. Um <laughs> it's a subtle connection. They they try not to try not to hammer it. Uh okay, so so I the I mean, but let's talk about why that caught on. So, you know, Singles Day is not a thing here. I mean, you mentioned like Parks and Rec and there, there's been other kind of quasi-joking things. And I'm sure people have tried to make this happen. But why in China? Why why was that such a big thing? Um, I Well, I guess they just they don't really have other uh, like the gift giving season isn't at the end of the year. Although, uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't know when the big gift giving season is over there. Um, but it like I, w- I was talking to because I thought that that you know you see Christmas creep and and you I feel like you keep seeing stuff earlier and earlier and earlier. And Black Friday and Cyber Monday here are already so noisy. And so I thought that that we'd maybe start seeing some singles day sales here as a way to sort of preempt Black Friday and maybe get a little attention uh, for a while until everybody else sort of glommed onto it. But everybody I've talked to has said like, nope, <laughs> it's not it's not coming here. There's already enough retail holidays. And that's why Prime Day is in July or one of the reasons Prime Day is in July because the last holiday season is a distant memory. The next holiday season is a long way away. And so kind of like Alibaba with singles Singles Day, uh, Amazon was able to say, you know, hey, in July, come uh, come buy some stuff. Yeah, the you know, it feels like Singles Day could get you know could catch on here. I, I, there's just this, like maybe I'm just anecdotally biased by my like when I look at Instagram stories, it seems like it's half people in relationships and then half people complaining about dating apps. You know, and like <laughs> and like how what what a what a what a hellscape dating is, you know? So I could kind of see this like singles pride of just being like, you know what? This sucks. I'm just going to buy, you know, extra large uh, tub of whatever. Um, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems like there's part of the zeitgeist. It could, but but that hasn't happened yet, you're saying, right? Like this is still very much a, an Asian thing. Yeah, and even um, Alibaba seems very content to focus on China and Southeast Asia. It, it moved into uh, six countries in Southeast Asia this year, I think. They, they'd they bought um, an e-commerce platform called Lazada, I think, earlier this year. So used that to kind of push 11.11 into Southeast Asia. But I, I again, I'm, I'm as surprised as you are. I thought that uh, you know they wouldn't stop uh, until they sort of dominated the the world. I feel I feel the same way about Amazon, but nope they they seem happy where they are. So let's let's talk about how they uh, before we talk about how big it was uh, this year. Let, let's talk about how they announced it. I've never heard of anything like this, uh, <laughs> like an event to 
pr- to introduce a shopping day. Uh, tell tell us what this was. Well, there's a, a countdown gala that starts four hours before midnight because everything kicks off at the stroke of midnight on November 11th. And this year they did it at um, Shanghai's Mercedes-Benz Arena, which has a capacity of 18,000. And I think it was probably filled to capacity on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, but this, I mean, this isn't the first year they've done this. They uh, have long sort of attracted some pretty A-list talent. I think Pharrell <laughs> performed last year, Nicole. Kidman was there last year, uh, Scarlett Johansson maybe the year before, David Beckham, uh, Lionel Messi did something where he shot um, soccer balls against some shampoo bottles, I think, for, for P&G. So um, it's been, they've, they've been doing this for a while. This year it was uh, Mariah Carey was sort of the, the big finale, uh, but they also Ooh. had Allen Iverson was there with Reebok. Uh, did they did that? There were a lot of games. It's like a, a variety show kind of meets the Super Bowl halftime show, and so um, they had the folks on stage divided up into like red team and blue team, and and then in the basketball segment in particular with Allen Iverson, it was like I, there's a photo in my story you can you can check out, but it was like two of the guys, one on each team, had like a large man kind of on his back with like these huge hands, and so uh, they were trying to like shoot baskets and then these giant hands would would sort of you know knock the balls away uh so uh so yeah there was sort of uh you know fun stuff like that and and music performances and lots and lots and lots of brand integrations okay so so we have this huge huge event to kick off a day of shopping um which yeah no real parallel uh here in the states that i can think of but how big did uh, Singles Day end up being? Uh, in 24 hours, they sold nearly 31 billion dollars worth Jesus. of goods. <laughs> but I think if you look at if you look at the early stats, is sort of where it gets it's like really astonishing. They did uh, was it a billion dollars uh, in a minute and 25 seconds, I think, and they sold 10 billion dollars worth of goods in an hour and 48 seconds. So it's like all of <laughs> U.S. Uh, online commerce for Black Friday and Cyber Monday 2017 combined, they did in an hour and 48 seconds. Oh my God. Wow. That's, that's wow. so bonkers. So Maybe Jeff Bezos should learn how to play basketball. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I was wondering on Sunday whether uh, whether he has a hard time with Singles Day and is kind of jealous. And, uh, you know, my joke was, was does he just sort of unplug and, and you know, <laughs> sit in a dark room with Alexa and, and ask her who the richest man in the world is right. as he <laughs> waits, for no, waits for November 12th? <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I, I feel like Prime Day this year, they sort of tried to do something similar with those giant Prime boxes. Remember that? And it was like Robbie Williams and Take That were in London. I forget who was in New York. But it just it's, it's just nothing – it really doesn't compare. It was um, a much, much, much smaller scale. With all due respect to, to – Take that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sentence I have not ever heard. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to hear that again either. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's fascinating. And I'm sure, like you mentioned, that Bezo, from Bezos on down, like everyone has to be, including us, are kind of looking at this thing and saying, what can this come to America? I mean, Prime Day is just not the same. You know, as you, as you mentioned, it feels very corporate i mean that's obvious like it feels and it's very kind corp- of a dumping ground of stuff you don't really want 
Yeah, but I mean, is Singles Day any better? I mean, do you have a sense of whether the deals are actually all that great, or is it also kind of just digital yard sale? Yeah, but but if but if I'm buying seventeen Lazy Susans, I want to be entertained. I mean, <laughs> you know. Well, well, consider consider this: the list of goods that they, so they did pre-sales this year. Buick sold seven thousand cars Jesus. before Singles Day even started. <laughs> um, uh, New Balance, I think, sold sixty thousand pairs of shoes. Um, you should have started. It, you should have started with the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> right. now, now that you've told um, me seven thousand cars the, the were Buick, sold, I think the Buick stat is is pretty pretty astonishing. Well, that, yeah, um, that's, that's now it's gonna be hard to imagine anything more impressive than selling cars, <laughs> thousands of cars, in your, wow. your e-commerce well, day. Well, in the Skoda, the the check car manufacturer, they had a, a huge presence that night. Uh, there was a, a rapper, I couldn't understand it because they don't speak Mandarin, but read afterwards that he was like rapping about one of these Skoda vehicles. And they had a thing with like an AR car on on the stage. And uh, Aldi, Aldi, the German grocer, they were huge uh, on stage as well. Uh, they had some commercials and then they also had the hosts had an Aldi shopping cart at one point. Uh, and then there was this girl band. There were a lot of pop groups that performed. And again, don't speak Mandarin, but read afterwards that they were singing a song with the chorus, like, wanna buy, wanna buy. And then, of course, <laughs> they all had their uh, their Aldi shopping carts as well. Even Cirque du Soleil, it wasn't branded, but they uh, there was a special specially choreographed uh, routine from from them. And, and they had shopping bags in their, wow. in their routine. Uh, yeah, there's something like dystopian about this, but then also like <laughs> if it makes people happy, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of in this in this mind space now. I think when politics are so bad and everything is so bad and the environment is you know being wrecked, I'm just like, hey, man, if a day of like buying coats and cars and <laughs> shoes and people singing about why you should be shopping, if that makes you happy, uh, then I, I guess good. But the other thing is I also, because of all these behind the scenes stories about how difficult life is for the warehouse employees at Amazon, and, and I'm sure you can tell us whether that's still true uh, you know, or whether that has changed in recent years. But man, can you imagine being a warehouse employee at Alibaba uh, when you're talking about this kind of volume? I mean, it. Oh, yeah. Um, well, the, the New York Times had a crazy stat last year that, it, again, this event kicks off at midnight, and the first delivery last year was within 13 minutes. So by 12, 13 a.m., the an order had already been delivered. And I haven't seen a lot of stats about uh, delivery for this year, but they, they said something about how they had a billion deliveries to make, <laughs> I think. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen anything anyway about – how that's going and whether they can handle that capacity. There was a, a story from a Malaysian news site. I don't know if it was reputable or not, but they were talking about kind of some payment issues in in Malaysia. Uh, but again, I don't, I don't know if that's uh, if that's real or not. Well, I, you know, I feel like, and this sounds like I'm being flippant, but I'm really not. I mean, I feel like this shows that China has really. Uh, which is somewhat ironic given China's political history, but that they've really kind of outdone America as a consumerist society, right? Like they've dwarfed us in one day. Uh, of And you think of America as just the most consumer-driven, shopping-obsessed, retail-oriented people 
on the planet, we've we've kind of lost that footing now. Well, it, yes, but uh, so word on the street is is that Jack Ma uh, is stepping down on September 10th, 2019, because uh, the government is taking on uh, a more hands-on role. And you know, I've I've read that that's sort of a, a problem for other tech companies. And uh, the New York Times talked to a bunch of 20-something consumers in China, and they were all pretty blasé about Singles Day. Uh, saying that, you know, you uh, the deals were available at weird times or you had to, like, play a bunch of games and get your friends involved and it was just a lot of work. And then at the end of the day, you ended up with, like, a 10% discount and it just wasn't enough to to justify the effort. So I feel like it may be sort of like uh, your parents joining Facebook uh, <laughs> and uh, – and uh, it, we'll see. I mean, the, the growth rate this year, I believe, was 27% year over year. Last year, it was 39% and the economy is slowing and tariffs and all of those things. So I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, like $31 billion in 24 hours is, is hard to top. So it, it will be interesting to see kind of what they do next year. I, I think there's some speculation that they may uh, drag it out to like a week or more. That's what JD.com does. It's also sort of important to note that you know, while Alibaba has this big countdown gala and it's it's most strongly associated with Alibaba, JD did $19 billion worth of sales last year, uh, but that was November 1st through 11th. But still, $19 billion is, is nothing to, to sneeze at. So, so, so this uh, isn't something they have some kind of, like, copyright trademark on where no one else can use the phrase Singles Day? No, no, there um, there are a bunch of uh, – I have the, a list of the most popular uh, e-commerce sites in China from Comscore, and I was looking at them, and, and most of them all had 11.11 offers. I mean, again, I don't speak Mandarin, and Google Translate sometimes doesn't always get everything, but it had the the 11.11, so they were all all kind of trying to, to capitalize on this. So I don't know. Maybe this is this is sort of the, the apex, and, and next year uh, – I don't know. Well, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see what what they do next year. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for recapping all that, and uh, and you mind sticking around for the rest of the show? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Of course. Great. Well, let's move on to ads worth watching. All right. Th- this week we've got a bit of a of an odd one. There was actually there's been a ton of good work. We're kind of right in the middle of the holiday ad. Uh, frenzy. Uh, you know, Doug, I feel like none of them have been exceptional yet. I mean, there's not that like, there's not that uh, Monty's Penguin or Monty the Penguin kind of a uh, level of mega hit so far. Right. Are there any any we should mention as give props to before we gloss over them? I mean, I I like one of the Waitrose things that came in. I, I like the one with the choir. I think it's kind of, you know, cheeky British humor. And I think we should point out as well that a lot of what we're getting is uh, from the UK. This is the time of the year where retailers really start to compete with each other to try to one-up each other for their for their they call we call them holiday ads. They call them Christmas ads. So I'm just throwing that PC thing out there. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like a lot of the same. It's you're either going to laugh or you're going to cry uh, kind of thing. And you're right. There's nothing that has risen above the surface yet. Yeah, there's, there, there's been a few like um, – well, and, and I'll point out one interesting exception. Macy's uh, rolled out a, a, oh, right. you know, a Christmas ad in America from BBDO New York, uh, which is this kind of magical realism thing of a, of a woman in a space station uh, – that, you know, floating around the earth by herself at, at the holidays, and her kids uh, send 
uh, or her daughter sends her, you know, sends her up with this toy, and then she opens it up on Christmas Day and finds out it's filled with these like styrofoam pellets, and it turns her space station into a snow globe, uh, which is cute. I can tell you, as the child of NASA engineers, that would never go over. <laughs> right. I was going to ask you about that, but thank you for yes. volunteering it. Uh, there's also no one's ever alone on the space station. And That's blah, blah, blah. correct. I, I could well. really nerd out on this, but whatever. <laughs> That's not the point. It's a lovely ad. <laughs> it is. Um, and I've had several people like send it to us and say, oh, I hope you guys are going to talk about this. And, and I guess this is us talking about it. But um, but yeah, no, that was nice to see. Just a nice, lovely kind of bit of storytelling uh, in America, uh, because to your point, not a big thing here. We've had um, you know from Britain a few, uh, nothing really super exciting and also kind of uh, some some weird overlap. Like there was a, a spot that came out two months ago uh, from John Lewis and Waitrose. It was kind of a combo ad about these kids putting on a, a school pageant and they perform um, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and they turn it right. into this really like big budget space opera and it's very cute, uh, very popular. And then Sainsbury's, which is well known for uh, their Christmas ads. They did the World War One, uh, you know, the, the, Day of Christmas piece, uh, which was mildly controversial, but a really lovely ad. Uh, they've done quite a few good Christmas ones. They rolled it out, and it was about, believe it or not, a school pageant uh, mm-hmm. where they're singing. Uh, what, what is it? It was like the. It was like a new radical song. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's an interesting pick. Is okay. that yeah? Of the many new radical songs, it was the uh, that <laughs> y- you only you only get what you give song. Right, right. All two um, of them. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like it's, it's like they picked a Chumbawamba song. You'll never yeah. guess which one. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, they. It was basically the exact same ad, except with a different song and a slightly different. But everyone was like. This is literally the same Christmas ad that someone else put out two months ago. And right. they basically said, yeah, we started working on this in January, and we just figured no, it's not really worth changing course, uh, mm. which is kind of funny. They had uh, a celebrity director. It was the guy who did uh, that uh, that Hugh Jackman movie. What's it called? Greatest Showman. Um, oh, right. And right. so, you know, they had kind of a big investment. But anyway, uh, so nothing really huge out of there. Uh, but uh, keep an eye on Adweek.com. We're always waiting for, like, the next next one, big one to drop. Uh, but did want to talk about uh, a spot that has had one of the weirdest lifespans of any ad I've seen. Uh, it's called Rangtan, as in orangutan. Uh, it is a kind of a storybook animated spot about an orangutan appearing in this young girl's bedroom and kind of wrecking the room, and she's really annoyed with it. Uh, and then she starts to realize that uh, he's fleeing from the destruction of his environment uh, due to palm oil. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously it's it's not to be taken as a literal story. It is just a, a you know storybook kind of metaphor. And and the orangutan tries to teach her that palm oil is destroying his environment and making orangutans go extinct. Uh, so. We'll listen to a bit of the ad in a minute, but what's interesting is that it was created by Greenpeace and by the agency Mother in London, and we wrote about it, I want to say, in August, and it was very nice. It's about it's probably a little short of two minutes long, uh, and then they actually found a brand, uh, Iceland Foods, a supermarket chain in the UK, that was willing to take it on as their Christmas spot. So basically, like, we'll make it our Christmas spot, we'll change the tag at the end, and we'll run it. Uh, you know, as a long-form spot. And uh, Britain's advertising regulatory body, the, the ASA, uh, basically said, uh, no, uh, you can't run this. Because it is a, maybe because Greenpeace made it, 
and they're, they're considered a political group. Political advertising is not allowed in uh, British broadcast ads. Uh, and so they, they have all these rules against ads toward a political end, ads created by groups that have a political nature, which I guess you could argue Greenpeace is in that. So they banned the ad from airing before it even appeared on TV. Um, and man, this was the best thing that could have ever happened. <laughs> happened to this ad uh, and for the brand and for the agency. So uh, let's listen to a little bit. It's narrated by Emma Thompson, a uh, famous actor and director and uh, oh, all around the world best. treasure. She's um, the best. D- didn't she come up on like a recent podcast? Didn't we just talk about Emma Thompson? We did talk about Emma Thompson. That's so she's, funny. She's the greatest ever. Yeah. So here, Global Treasure, Emma Thompson narrating uh, this uh, ad called Rangtan. Uh, this is the version that's uh, branded by Iceland Foods, uh, but it's the same one uh, that, that Greenpeace ran originally. Here's some of that. Oh, Rangtan in my bedroom. Just before you go, why were you in my bedroom? I really want to know. There's a human in my forest, and I don't know what to do. He destroyed all of our trees for your food and your shampoo. There's a human in my forest, and I don't know what to do. He took away my mother, and I'm scared he'll take me too. There are humans in my forest, and I don't know what to do. They're burning it for palm oil. So I thought I'd stay with you. Oh, Rangtan in my bedroom, now I do know what to do. I'll fight to save your home, and I'll stop you feeling blue. I'll share your story far and wide so others can fight too. Oh, Rangtan in my bedroom, I swear it on the stars. The future's not yet written, but I'll make sure it is ours. So, you know, this thing gets banned and then promptly mother the agency behind this. There are no dummies. These, this is the agency that did <laughs> that does uh, KFC's ads. You may remember they did their apology ad uh, when they ran out of chicken where it just said FCK. Uh, and that that apology ad sparked a ton of PR and goodwill. Uh, then th- very recently, they did an entire ad campaign around tweets uh, making fun of KFC's terrible fries. <laughs> like they just ran these tweets as ads saying how crappy your fries are. My favorite part of that, by the way, was that the Burger King in the UK like shared a screenshot of one of those tweets being promoted. It said, like, promoted <laughs> promoted by KFC. And the tweet was just like, KFC's fries are the absolute worst. <laughs> and, and Burger King took a screenshot of it and tweeted it and said, weird flex, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Excellent internet vernacular. Uh, yeah, so Mother, I mean, they know what they're doing. They turned this into a uh, PR, you know, they gave it a PR boost. But, man, it took off from there. Like, uh, James Corden tweeted, uh this ad has been banned. I think everyone should watch it, which, of course, right. is just like the best thing. And it's not, you know, it used to be that when ads ah, got banned yeah. and people built PR on it, it was because it was like this gross, sexist garbage. This is like it got banned and everyone loves it because it's just such a sweet little story. Well, here's what's interesting, too, is that there's a change.org petition to release the TV spot. Uh, so far, they're trying to get to a million. So far, over 732,000 people have signed this petition. Holy uh, cow. Yeah, yours truly included. So, uh, 
Um, 700,000 people signing to like to, to let, run an for ad. this ad on TV. <laughs> I know. It's yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Now that I think about it, it's kind of like, why did I just sign this petition? But anyway, uh, <laughs> you're you're part of the machine. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I'm in the big. I'm in the pocket of big adverts on TV. Um, no, but I, but obviously this this has struck a nerve, and, and I like your point there, David. Where what you know what should be banned? I mean, this is like a serious environmental issue, and. I just find it questionable that, that I mean, I, I don't know what the Brits are thinking with this, but um, you're right. It's it's uh, it's actually kind of nice to see an ad that's banned that actually is productive. Uh, Lisa, did you get a chance to watch this one? What did you think of it? I did. Um, I actually wrote a report about orangutans in the sixth grade, and so I've always sort of had a, a soft spot in my heart awesome. for them. Um, so, I, I thought so you were going to say I, like at a previous employer, like I did uh, a, I was actually <laughs> in Sri Lanka reporting on no. this. Yeah. That I I would love it if that happened someday, but um, but no. So I I like I said I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart. So uh, so I liked it a lot. The uh, y- you know I have to say this is an issue that I'm glad to see it picking up uh, y- y- volume because and it really does seem like the UK is kind of leading this conversation. I think because Cadbury, uh, which is a much bigger player there, is such a such a to be frank like a leading cause of this issue. Uh, you know, there was an article that came out after this uh, ad came out saying that they are really kind of continuing down this path of extinction uh, for orangutans uh, because of the just continued uh, deforestation. Uh, and, but, you know, in fairness to Cadbury, palm oil is in so many things. And that's the right. point of this ad, you know, is that they so so the connection with Iceland Foods, I should note here is that uh, and this is the the tag they put at the end of it is that they have made a commitment to remove palm oil uh, from all their store brands. That, you know, that's not, it's not quite the same as saying like, we're not going to carry any products with palm oil. That would be, uh, you know, that's a nuclear option. Um, (laughs) But, but still it's, you know, it's, it's good. I think if there are certain brands in America where if they did that, uh, because, you know, a lot of times the companies that supply the the store brands are the same people that supply the name brands. And so it would have a tremendous impact if your Walmarts, Kroger, uh, your, yeah, I mean, uh, Publix down here, you know, everyone buy, buys their store brand uh, stuff. Like that that chain reaction could do a lot. Uh, so good on them for, for getting this in there. It's one where this issue has come up over like the 10 years I've been covering advertising, like in various levels of effectiveness. I remember there was one a few years ago. Uh, it's a mildly gross, but where someone's like eating a Twix bar. Do you remember this? <laughs> Doug, did you uh, run across this vaguely. One? Please continue. Someone's like eating eating a Twix bar, and then someone looks over. There's like blood coming out of their mouth, and oh, it's like right, orangut- right. orangutan fingers are in the the Twix wrapper, right? And uh, or, or no, I'm sorry. It's uh, maybe it's it's Kit Kat, maybe. But anyway, I think it was, it was Kit Kat. Yeah, they yeah. Sorry to the Twix brand managers. No, but the um, it, it just seems better. <laughs> seems better fit. Um, no, but the uh, it's just it, they that got. A bunch of legal issues with trademark violation. I don't know. They like went after him. They tried to shut it down. But that was the first time I remember seeing. That was quite a few years ago. Uh, seeing it approached from an advertising thing. Uh, but this one, yeah, thirty-five million views uh, online after this thing was banned. It would not have been viewed thirty-five million times on TV. And that does not count, by the way, all the news outlets that ran it in full. So basically on (laughs) – so it's kind of funny like because all this stuff is nationalized in Britain, right? You've got like BBC News running the entire ad being like, here it is in its entirety, this (laughs) thing that we can't run as an ad on this very network. Um, 
It was played in full on the radio, uh, got picked up by over, in the first day, like 125 news outlets around the world. That that has only gotten bigger. I think the day that we wrote about it, I saw USA Today wrote about it. I mean, it got, like normally, who would care about an Iceland Foods ad getting banned from the, the UK airwaves? Stuff gets banned there all the time, you know, for anything. Like, show a kid jumping on a bed, your ad is banned. Like, any, anything that gets, <laughs> right. but, but the difference is that usually it's like, Two or three people have to complain. Literally two or three people can complain about an ad in Britain and it gets pulled. There, there's no equivalent of that in America because everything is privatized. Um, but uh, but in this case, it didn't even make it out of the gate. So congratulations, I guess, to Greenpeace, to Iceland Foods, to Mother. They really, um, how, however intentional it was, they sure got uh, a lot of extra mileage. And this is one where that ad was like three months old. Right. Uh, and, and so it just goes to show, you know, you know this is kind of like when Coke ran... Uh, like a year old ad, uh, same with uh, in the Super Bowl, and same with um, who was it? Uh, oh, like a girl, like a girl came out online, did really well, and then they brought it in as a Super Bowl ad. Basically, just ran the same thing, it's like same ad, but right. just goes to show that sometimes if you have something that really does well online, that doesn't mean that it's over and done and you have to do something completely different for your holiday ad, for your Super Bowl ad, whatever. Yeah. I give uh, this a so- solid ten on the IHOB scale, which is. <laughs> which is exposure for something. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for Ads Worth Watching. Let's get on to our uh, big discussion of the week. We're going to take a little break, and we'll be back to talk about uh, our Los Angeles brand stars. Did you know that 75% of people reading about street photography are also reading about politics? Find more data stories like this in The Insight, a Flipboard destination for advertising industry news, data, and inspiration. Find it all at theinsight.flipboard.com slash adweek. That's theinsight.flipboard.com slash adweek. All right, we're back. Uh, We're going to be talking about our uh, L.A. issue, our annual L.A. issue. The L.A. creative scene has just undergone such a tremendous transformation, um, you know, in recent years, uh, the agency scene, the, the startup scene. It, it, I think in a lot of ways, it just feels like it used to feel like an escape from New York uh, to just get away from uh, the thing that comes up a lot, by the way, when I talk to L.A., like New Yorkers who fled to L.A., is that they're like, everything doesn't smell like trash on a hot day, <laughs> which I'm like, well, that's, that's, that's a little mean. But, yeah, <laughs> they're like, you just don't notice it until you go back to New York and you just really smell the trash. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, Doug, you weren't, uh, you weren't here, I believe, last year when we had our L.A. issue. I'm curious. Uh, you've spent a good amount of time there. What, what's your take on kind of how L.A. has changed in recent years? Uh, I mean, I've, I've said this publicly before. I think L.A. is probably the most important market in the world right now. And it's mainly because it's going through a lot of transition and it's, it's figuring itself out. So it's had this long history in entertainment. It's done, it's done well in advertising. Uh, it's done well on the brand side of it. And I think it's finally understanding its potential a little bit. So I think there's just, there's a lot happening there. And uh, in the agency side, I wrote something about the rise of Culver City uh, in the LA issue. And, oh, yeah, and yeah. it's interesting to see, um, you know, how Playa Vista about five, you know, 10 years ago, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, that was the place, you know, 72 went over there. Uh, Deutsch has been over there forever. You've got Electronic Arts, you've got TVWA Shy Day and Media Arts Lab. You've got, you know, everybody was over there. And then Culver City, which had traditionally been more of a production based, you know, the, there are Hollywood studios there. 
it was just this little outlier, very charming place, but it didn't really start catching much in the way of momentum. So over the years, and if you go through Culver City, you know, you, you see like The Mill, who produces some of the best ads in the world. They're over there. Frame stores over there. You've got Wong Duty. You've got Walton Isaacson. You've got Muse. You've got um, Zambezi's on one end. And then on the other side of Culver City, Haymaker, who uh, one of their principals we featured in the talent section of a recent issue, you know, they're, they're in a part of Culver City that's starting to grow uh, a little bit. Now, added to this, and I think what's accelerated it, is that Apple and Amazon have come in and they're building you know, massive or they're leasing massive, massive spaces. So Amazon will be putting their content, uh, their content stuff there and, and Apple will be putting Beats there, uh, as I understand it. But it's really started to catch a lot of momentum. And it used to be just a lot of smaller agencies because the spaces over there were a lot smaller. So you could have a three, four, five-person shop and you could get one of these old warehouses that, uh, you know, that, that wouldn't be too expensive. It, it had a little bit of character. Uh, Ogilvy was the original. Uh, and I can't remember which year that they went in there, but I want to say it was 2000. They've since left and gone over to the other side of the west side. Um, but it's interesting to see just that whole area. So Culver City, Playa Vista, Venice was the darling for a while with Snapchat, who has since moved to Santa Monica. And then, of course, you, you know, you do have Santa Monica. RPA is a big anchor there. There are a bunch of other agencies there as well. Uh, so you're seeing, you know, you're seeing the advertising, marketing, brand communities start building a little bit more. If you go past the airport, El Segundo has some interesting things happening. A lot of brands are in Orange County. So it's all, it's all kind of mushing together a little bit. And so at the moment, Culver City is is really on fire. I think Amazon and, and Apple are accelerating that, but it's always been a really interesting place. The next spot people are saying is Inglewood, where the new football stadium will be going. So there's a lot happening on the west side out in L.A. Yeah. The uh, last time I was there, I was actually staying in Santa Monica slash Culver City, visiting friends there. And the friends I was visiting, uh, are, like one of them is from there, is from Culver City. And she was basically saying, it's nice. We're glad we moved back in the sense that, you know, they bought a house there. But, like, she said, it's nothing like where I grew up. Uh, it's good. Right. It's fun. It's a super fun town. You know, there's amazing restaurants and uh, there's, like, one of those weird ice cream shops that has, like, uh, I don't know, Captain Crunch mixed with whiskey. You know? right, <laughs> it's, like, right. insane. Right. Uh, it's just it's – a, it's a really fun place to visit. It looks like a cool town. But, yeah, it is – there was construction everywhere. Right. Uh, you know, everything was being remodeled. It, it's it, it really definitely – and that was maybe two years ago that I was there. It was already – Super much on the come up, uh, but let's uh, let's talk about it. Lisa. Give us a little baseline of your exposure to LA. Have you? I don't know anything about your your background with it. Have you spent much time there? Um, I actually uh, went to UCLA for two years. Uh, my my dad was living in California at the time, so I, I got in state tuition there. Uh, if I didn't have a car, <laughs> so that was probably part of it. But I was kind of marooned in Westwood. Uh, but I I don't know. I I didn't I didn't particularly enjoy my time there. And that's why uh, my junior year, I went to England uh, to study abroad and I, I loved it over there. So I, I graduated in, in England instead. Yeah, nice. Uh, well, let's uh, let's talk a bit about this issue. We had Busy Phillips on the cover. 
Um, and which is a shame that uh, Stephanie Patrick, our managing editor who wrote the cover story, uh, she is currently serving on the jury of the Epico Awards this week in Amsterdam. Uh, so pity for her, such a <laughs> terrible experience. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I, w- I would have loved to have her come and talk about that interview and the story because we can't really do it justice. But uh, definitely check out uh, the cover story. Uh, I'll give you the headline so it's easy to find is How Busy Phillips Spun Her Intimate, Wildly Popular Instagram Stories into E's Newest Talk Show. Um, but it covers a lot. We've got a timeline of, of her uh, her background and how she kind of came up, uh, you know, fascinating story through Hollywood, very different uh, from from most. Uh, but uh, the other big anchor of our L.A. issue was our list of brand stars. Uh, and these are always fascinating. Uh, the, those of you who listen to the show uh, pretty frequently will know that we do these in different markets. We just uh, actually, I suppose we can talk about this a little bit, we just uh, unveiled Chicago. Our second Chicago brand stars list went live this week as well. Um, and uh, and we've got several more coming. We've got Dallas coming up. Uh, we just did Seattle, right, Doug? We Correct. did. I think we just and um, Lordy, we've been everywhere. We did Washington D.C. Uh, so always fascinating to see who makes these lists. Um, I'll just kind of uh, pick and choose because there's way too many on here for us to <laughs> talk about all of them. But I think uh, the one that probably sparked the most conversation among us uh, before the we were recording is Bird, uh, the scooter company, Bird Rides. Uh, the We've got Rebecca Hahn, SVP of Global Communication and PR uh, for Bird. I'm guessing PR is kind of a big role at Bird because they are really one of the fastest growing and also one of the most struggling in the sense that when kind of like when Uber was blowing up everywhere and people were like, wait, is this legal? Like, is this, can you do this? <laughs> Wear and a even more so. <laughs> Wear a damn yeah, it's helmet. Like, with, with Uber, it felt like it was cars and you kind of almost couldn't tell how many Uber drivers there were like I mean, the stickers or whatever, but you know, they just kind of blended in. So you couldn't really see bird. You can't miss it. Right. Like, you go somewhere, there's just scooters everywhere. Just, like, overnight, scooters just got dropped all over these different cities. Uh, Lisa, have you have you noticed these? What, what's been your, your bird exposure? I haven't seen too many of them. Uh, my, my e-commerce partner in crime, Anne-Marie, uh, she rode one uh, out in California, uh, but she doesn't have a driver's license, so for her it was sort of a a, a good fit, I guess, for, for transportation. Uh, again, I, I haven't really seen them around here, but then there was a, a scooter company that came to do uh, a demo. And, and so Josh Sternberg, uh, Kelsey Sutton, they, they went out uh, and, and tried them out. But I, I had a deadline to meet, so I, I, I missed it. I think there was a video, though. I, I'd definitely say that Bird... Um it was just one of those things where it's uh, technically, I think it's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, you know, where you've never heard of something and then someone mentions it and you're like, I've never heard of that. And then the next day you see it 45 times. Uh, <laughs> that was one where like I saw people complaining and then I traveled and maybe this is why I saw it so much as I went to D.C. and then the next day I went to Columbus, Ohio. And then, of course, I started in my hometown in Birmingham, Alabama, all three cities. Everyone was like, these scooters are everywhere. Like they just <laughs> came out of nowhere. Um I don't know in the other cities how it's necessarily being received, but uh, the, you know, the, in, in Birmingham, it certainly was not being received positively uh, just because they suddenly appeared everywhere. People were just kind of dropping them all over the place. Uh, they weren't really uh, 
treating them like the way that was respectful of other people. I've heard that people who have visual impairment have a hard time sometimes if they're just kind of left. That that said, Bird has been responding to this. They've been uh, coming up with ways to report uh, scooters that are improperly parked. You know, they're trying to find, they found this gap. They found an obvious gap. And I have to admit in D.C., I was really jealous of the people because uh, I was constantly running late when I was there. And I was jealous of the people who were just zooming by on those things. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Because um, there's some pretty big gaps between Metro stops in D.C. It's not, it's not quite like New York. And um, so, I mean, I get it. Uh, but they're, they just they found this niche uh, that was absent, and they're trying to fill it. But kind of like Uber, kind of like Airbnb, uh, once you find that niche, you also have to be willing to help define it and work with the city. And I know here in my city, they, they felt that Bird wasn't, will, wasn't working with them uh, at all and didn't really care if what they were doing was legal. Uh, but I have a feeling it's just because they were in so many cities so fast that you just, you know, you can't work with them all. They've maybe scaled a little faster than, than you know, they were planning to. Um, so definitely uh, check that out. Interesting write-up on kind of Bird and how they're approaching PR. Uh, we've got the CMO of Drybar, Sarah Hoffman. Uh, we were talking a little bit before this, Lisa, about Drybar is like one of those things where I didn't realize until recently that it was a brand name. I thought it was like a a general term, which I think says something about. It. So tell us a, a bit for, for, like, I literally have no hair. So this is maybe why I'm ignorant of such things. But like, uh, tell us a little bit about what what is Drybar? Like, what's their their brand image? Um, well, it's it's supposed to be just a, a fast, easy way to to get your hair done. And so, like, I guess if you had a, a, a date after work or you had a, a, a big event to go to, you could just, you know, you book your appointment, you go in, they don't, wash your hair as, as the name implies, uh, but they, you know, give you an updo or, or a blowout. And so your hair looks really nice and it's, it's kind of a quick and easy experience. And they're very, you know, like the, the there's a certain ambiance and it's, it's very beautiful and it's just sort of like a nice, a nice experience. And so I get like treating yourself to bring it all back right. to the very beginning, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> but it, so is it, a, is it, I mean, what niche did they fill? Was it just that every other, uh, hair place was kind of had this same, you know, business model, the same kind of like, oh, here's your glass of wine and here's your, you know, well, let's wash your hair. You're going to be here for an hour. I mean, is it quicker or what, what niche did they fill? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely faster. So it's like, you know, you want your hair to look nice. You don't have a lot of time. So you just, you know, zip into this place. There's somebody there who can, you know, work their magic and and you leave, I don't know, 30 minutes later or something like that, looking like a million bucks. We've also got, uh, just to cover a few more before we run out of time, we've got Caroline Pay uh, from Headspace, the chief creative officer. I think Headspace is doing some of the coolest uh, creative right now. Um, Doug, have you noticed some of this? Yeah, and uh, she's phenomenal. Uh, She served as a a jury, uh, on the jury for local awards that we did up here, I forget how many years ago, but it was a long time ago. But uh, uh, she's incredibly and well deserved. Uh, has, has a tremendous amount of respect. Uh, she was at she was the joint chief creative officer at Gray in London, and uh, I mean she's just absolutely perfect for this role. Uh, she's extraordinarily creative, and it's just it ticks all the boxes. I mean it's just it, it's perfect brand and, and a perfect uh, you know person to shepherd that brand along. So. Um, yeah, so she she's had a long, you know, a long illustrious creative career, and I think that that's translating directly to what she's doing with with the brand. And, and my guess is, and 
I'll see her in Los Angeles this week, but uh, she's just getting started, and it's going to be pretty impressive to see what she's going to do next. Uh, we've also got, of course, you can't talk about California in 2018 without talking about marijuana. Uh, we've got uh, MedMen, uh, David Dancer, the CMO of MedMen. For those of you not familiar with it, MedMen is basically trying to carve out a niche as the Apple store of marijuana, of, of cannabis products. Um, and I've not been to one. Um, marijuana is very much not legal in my home state. No, it is uh, not. Which, <laughs> which makes makes more things illegal every day. <laughs> That's kind of our our niche. Uh, but uh, the you know, so I've not been in one, but I've heard that the customer experience that it just kind of took cannabis to this level where I know a lot of users who have stepped up the, especially in San Francisco, who've stepped up kind of the the brand image of cannabis of edibles, but, you know, through Instagram and through stuff, that, like just showing it as a classier thing um, than, than traditional. Uh, MedMen is one of the first brands to really tackle that. Sounds like they're succeeding. I've heard rumblings that, uh, you know, they may have a lot more debt uh, than they, they really like to talk about. Um, but, you, you know, anytime you read discussions of them as a business practice, people seem kind of split on whether it really has a lot of long term. Uh, but, you know, for now, they're definitely the one brand I think I've, in terms of retail. Uh, and we should just uh, I'm curious to pause real quickly there, Lisa. What is the state of e-commerce with with, you know, with cannabis right now? I'm assuming it's pretty limited. Yeah, I haven't looked at this in a while, but I, I wrote about it maybe a year or two ago. And remember, it's just so complicated if you're with like interstate commerce and, you know, different states have different laws. And so uh, I feel like there were some uh, stores that were like having to you know set up physical locations in other states if they wanted to expand but um, that was a couple of years ago I imagine it uh, it has changed a lot I remember there were there were some like cannabis specific uh, ad agencies in Colorado that, that were cropping up and trying to uh, to you know sort of own that space. Um, but I, I feel like there was some trepidation uh, among uh, brands and things. So, uh, so yeah. I, I, but I don't know what the what the current state of it is. I imagine it's uh, pretty limited. Yeah, I mean that's got to be a huge windfall for companies like MedMen, right? Like, there everything is online retail now, except these very few categories. Uh, and so, if you're if you're able to carve out a space as one of the first real retail leaders, physical brick and mortar retail leaders on a, on you know an industry growing industry like that mm, could could pay off could pay <laughs> off big yeah. Um, just to cover uh, a few more brands, just to give people a sense of who else is on there, we've got uh, Shannon Pruitt, the CMO of The Honest Company. Uh, th this is uh, Jessica Alba's company, right, Doug? Yeah, it is, and they've been they had. They had a couple of years where they were, you know, big splash, but they've been fairly consistent. Uh, Shannon Pruitt was formerly leading uh, the Story Lab, which um, I want to say was that Dentsu or was that Sachi? It was one or the other. Uh, I'll have to check that, but. Uh, but yeah, you know, here's another person who has been in the agency world and, you know, really talented. I think in interviewing her before, she's very strong in storytelling. And I know that we throw that word around quite a bit, uh, but she's actually quite good at it. And I think The Honest Company has a really interesting story. But, you know, the trick with that is it's like I said earlier, Jessica Alba was was on the circuit for a few years and lost a little bit of momentum. And I think that she's somebody who will have 
the ability to have a really strong, consistent story for the brand moving forward. So I think, again, just like Caroline Pay, I think it's, uh, you know, a, an amazing hire, the right person for the right brand at the right time. And uh, also, we just want to throw out Ring.com, the doorbell, uh, kind of video doorbell uh, system that was bought by Amazon for a billion dollars uh, earlier this year. Uh, we've got Simon Castles, the CMO, is on the list, so you can read about that and kind of how they're building that out. I think they see it as being uh, kind of in the way that Nest was originally a thermostat uh, and has kind of grown into this bigger array of products uh, owned by Google. Am I, am I right? Remember, I think Google owns Nest. Um, but uh, the so I think they see this being kind of the opening point, the entry point of creating more uh, more of these kind of interactive products uh, like Ring. Uh, but uh, that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, and lots more. We've got Taco Bell. We've got the uh, several of the sports teams on there, the L.A. Lakers, the L.A. Rams. Uh, so definitely check that out. I think the headline is, let's see, these 16 L.A. brand stars are doing show-stopping work in the City of Angels. So check out uh, that list. And big thanks to everyone at Adweek who worked on that. And I can't wait to hear about the party that we're having there to celebrate. Uh, always interesting to see who turns out for that. Uh, Lisa, thanks so much for joining us this week. Well, thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Doug, always a pleasure to have you on. Yes. And I have one more thing before we cut out, if you don't mind. Oh, please. I would like to take a moment to congratulate you, David, for being named Journalist of the Year by an organization called Women in Marketing. They're based in the UK. Uh, and there, uh, there was a great award ceremony that you were at last week, uh, and it is the second year of this award for, through this organization that's deeply connected to brands and CMOs. And out of a, a list of illustrious journalists, you came up on top as the winner, and I wanted to congratulate you and tell you uh, how proud I am to have you as my boss, and this is a great honor and thrilled that you were able to go over to London. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Doug. I will say it was a wonderful experience. It was very humbling. Uh, the best part was that uh, kind of last minute, I was having dinner with my parents, and uh, my mom was joking that, like, as my wife also recently won an award uh, that she's about to get for being the uh, best fundraiser, uh, which is awesome that, uh, you know, it's a, it's a Big month, I guess, for the Griner household. But, uh, <laughs> and, and she was saying, uh, well, your wife invited me to her award show. Why didn't you invite me to yours, which is in London? And I said, I'll tell you what, Mom, if you buy a ticket, and it's like two days before the award show, <laughs> if you buy a ticket, uh, you can definitely come with me. And uh, and she did. She bought a ticket and uh, used her miles and flew out there, and we ended up having a wonderful few days. I brought her as my plus one uh, to the Women in Marketing Award Show, where she was obviously a hit. My mom is uh, a veteran. She was a 37-year executive at NASA uh, and is a you know, real pioneer uh, for women, in, uh, in especially in aerospace engineering and executive leadership in general. She was always a big role model to me. So it, was, it meant a lot to have her there, uh, and the award meant a lot, uh, and met some really fascinating people. So, uh, yeah, big big thanks, and uh, thanks to Women in Marketing. That was, a, I mean, definitely one of the uh, kind of most important honors in my life and, and really says a lot. But I think it's, to be clear, I think it says a lot about Adweek. Um, it's something where gender balance and, and you know, focusing on these issues of diversity and empowering women, I think, are, are very important to me personally. But I think, best of all, it's part of, uh, you know this the, this whole team at Adweek is is very passionate about this issue, uh, and it's uh, it, to me it was more of an award for how uh, Adweek has made this. Uh, you, you know we really see this as part of our mission to improve the industries we cover and to help amplify the voices that deserve to be amplified. So. Uh, you know, definitely uh, something that, that really kind of marks what we've accomplished as, as a team here at Adweek. But thanks so much. Uh, all right. 
Well, uh, if you have any comments, thoughts for us, you can send it to podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. Our theme music is by Home. This episode was edited by Lane McGivney and produced by Anya Fernando with audio production by Josh Rios. Uh, thank you, Lane. Thank you, Anya. Thank you, Josh. Please take a moment, if you haven't already, to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews and ratings mean a lot to us personally, and they also help new listeners discover the show. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be taking next week off for Thanksgiving, then we'll be back soon after. So we'll talk to you then.